Welcome back to Bible study, to the prophecy of Nahum. Sort of understated, it says the book of Nahum in my scripture here. Welcome back to John Kimball and Derek Walker. Welcome back. Thanks for making the journey. And we're all going to be making a journey through chapter one today. I'm going to read and then John will pray. The Burden Against Nineveh, the Book of the Vision of Nahum the Elkishite. God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry and dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither and the flower of Lebanon wilts. The mountains quake before him, the hills melt and the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation and who can endure the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place, and darkness will pursue his enemies. What do you conspire against the Lord? He will make an utter end of it. Affliction will not rise up a second time. For while tangled like thorns, and while drunken like drunkards, they shall be devoured like stubble fully dried. From you comes forth one who plots evil against the Lord, a wicked counsellor. Thus says the Lord, though they are safe, and likewise many, yet in this manner they will be cut down when he passes through. Though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. For now I will break off his yoke from you, and burst your bonds apart. The Lord has given a command concerning you. Your name shall be perpetuated no longer. Out of the house of your gods, I will cut off the carved image and the molded image. I will dig your grave, for you are vile. Behold on the mountains the feet of him who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. O Judah, keep your appointed feasts, perform your vows, for the wicked one shall no more pass through you. He is utterly cut off. Thank you, John. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We come before you tonight, Lord, the three of us, in the name of Jesus, declaiming, declaring and proclaiming the mercy of the blood of our Saviour. And Lord, we ask that you inspire us this evening by your Holy Spirit as you lead us into all truth as we chew over these words of yours. We thank you, Lord, that they are a word for our time. And we ask that you teach us on the hoof, Lord, that we, what we declare here tonight and what we discuss here tonight will be a blessing, Lord, not only for the viewers watching here, Lord, but the viewers who will watch the replays over time, that they will be truly blessed and enlightened by what you speak through us this night. Lord, we ask that you be glorified in all that we say, in all that we think, in fact, in all our doings. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. 
I listen to the prayer and I think, oh, that was the Holy Spirit saying, declaiming, yeah. you know, because in one sense, this is, you know, Nahum wrote this prophecy, but he also declaimed it. He, he you know, it was a declamation. I'm sure it was verbally, orally pronounced. Yes. And, um, and that's, it's, if Timothy yeah. had to read out loud, it's yes. good to read out loud mm. and, and declaim, as it were, God's word. Mm. Where have we, where did we get to <laughs> last week? We got to the end of verse, chapter three last week, but we, we're now sort of, as it were, getting we talked about verse one. <laughs> yeah, we, that's quite true. That's quite true. And I tried to rattle it through so he won't acquit the wicked, but um, what, what more can we learn about God from these early verses? Yes, I mean, God is very much the central figure in, in these early verses. Mm. Uh, and... Um, it, immediately, he's, he, you know, we're, we're face to face with, with the truth of God and, and it talks about God avenging, mm. moving in judgment. Mm. But the first word he says is God is jealous. Yes. That is actually behind everything. Yes. And we tend to think, you know, jealousy is, is a sin, isn't it? You know, One of the deadly we, we might sins. struggle and yet God says very clearly he's a jealous God. Mm. And we need to distinguish between envy and jealousy. Yeah, that's helpful. See, envy is when we want something. You know, I'd be envious of you if you, if, if you have something that I want, um, and I would rather have it rather than you. So that's covetous. Say, your job or whatever. So yes, an it's covetousness. covetousness. That is sin. Wanting something that someone else has had, and yet you know isn't given to you, and and that is so that God is. So God would sin. never be envious, would he? No, because no, he has everything. <laughs> <laughs> but jealousy is what belongs to you. And there is something coming to threaten it mm. or to, to take from it. So the classic example is a husband being jealous over his wife. Jealousy is a manifestation of love. Because if someone comes to take my wife, if I couldn't care less, you know, or, you know, uh, or something comes to attack my wife and, or threaten my wife in some way, mm. then in my jealousy, mm. which is because I love her, I, I will fight for her. Yeah. I, will, I will, you know, uh, protect that relationship yeah. from that which comes. So God is saying, I am a jealous husband. I, because I love my people, mm. for example, I will fight for them. I will protect them. And if somebody comes to attack them, I'm going to come. So here it says that actually, in a sense, God's wrath is a manifestation of his love. Yeah. which sounds a strange thing to say really but it's because God cares because he's jealous and for instance he's jealous over his people because Assyria although they'd be given the right as it were to be an instrument of discipline against Israel they overdid it mm. we'll, we'll see that they they went way too far yeah. and they 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 abused the power that, in a sense, God gave them. And so they're going to have to be held to account for that. And so because they've oppressed God's people, God is jealous. Yeah. And he's going to fight for his people. And that's why Nahum means comfort. He, this is a comfort for God's people. So, so it's so important, isn't it, John? When we, when we look at God, we, don't, we shouldn't try and, and sort of anthropomorphize. We're made in God's no. image, but yes. we sometimes try and put we God do. in our image. Yes. And because we misunderstand what jealousy and yes. envy is, yes. we, we, we and and of course, I'm certain that the, those, you know, the gainsayers, those who are anti-God in our world today, the militant atheists, they would say, "Aha, you know, 
Yes, yes. who's God, he, he's a nasty character, yeah. your God. In fact, I do remember Stephen Fry once basically saying to God, how dare you, God, do this, 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 and he's trying to sort of portray God as some evil despot. Yes. Actually, Which he is not. Well, it, it's, the whole thing is a nonsense, you know, to take up that position anyway. I mean, I understand Stephen Fry's right to be an atheist. I don't dispute yeah. that at all. But, it, <coughs> but they, they, Christians are guilty of this too, but atheists and others in particular, mm. is they, they use what I call three and sometimes four-dimensional arguments mm. to explain and describe and, and, and to declare uh, wh what God should be like. Mm. Well, you can't do it. It's impossible. It's, it's the complete lack of humility and the fact that we do not have the language to do it, we do not have the intellectual capacity. You know, it's, it's, it's an arrogance. It's an arrogance. It Why not but just say, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's a much more honest way of going about it. But the law gives us clues, yeah. you know, and, and the, the, the jealousy, I mean, I absolutely agree what Terry just said, and God is jealous, and he's very, um, that jealousy, has consequences for us because the jealousy demands loyalty, it demands devotion, mm. and um, when that goes wrong, he will, he will, um, what's the word I'm after, chastise you, mm. because he chastises it those he loves. Yeah. It upsets him, mm. and he knows that it's not good for us as well. It's not that he's capricious, it's not that he, you know, it is unreasonable. He's none of those things. He knows what is best for us, yeah. And, yeah. and that's what it's about, really. So, um, in the context of Nineveh and the Assyrians, they, um, and the building of their empire, it wasn't, when, when I sort of read about the, the sort of the growth of the Roman Empire, it seemed to have been sort of fear of the neighbours, you know, first the Latins, then whatever, you know, that then, you know, Italy as a whole, and, and, and then the Carthaginians, and it, it was like taking territory to keep protecting themselves, a little bit like the rationale with Russia, you know, we got to keep taking these extra satellite states to, as a buffer. Was, was it that with the growth of the Assyrians, sorry I put you on the spot, mm. um, or, or was it envy? Was it that they I, were envious of other was, empires or envious of other lands and they wanted to take those lands? I think it was uh, lust for power, yes. Yeah. and and they believed they had the right yeah. the, to rule the world. They were the rightful rulers of the world and therefore, you know, they, they were greedy, you know. And there's a verse later on that describes them as a lion, uh, as a pride of lions. And it, they didn't just take enough for themselves. They, they filled their cave with, with loot and with, with, the, with the carcasses. You know, they, th there was this lust mm. for power. And uh, to propagate that, you've got to keep doing it. For, for an empire, to needs to keep expanding often to just to keep itself fed. See, you that know is what I mean? a common theme of, yeah. of empire. See, I, 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 I've, I'm quite a sort of patriot, so I, I, I love <coughs> the, the stories of you know what was achieved through the British Empire. But I remember C.S. Lewis wrote that um, England is wonderful, but Britain is wicked. And the point he was making was that this sort of lust for and greed for more and more and more is a kind of feature of empire. Mm. Even though you can then compare empires and say, actually, the British Empire was quite benign. Compared to others. In comparison. 
but yeah. there were excesses, but it was still, there was a kind of rule of law based on our Judeo-Christian yeah. culture, which made it a different type of, of empire. But, but I, I do remember that. And, I, and so I, during the whole debate over Europe, I said, Europe, Europe is wonderful, but the EU is wicked. Right, yes. And, oh, you're saying, you know, the, so it, it, people don't understand these terms no, of wickedness or, you know, no. lust for power. But we do see it replicated through many empires, don't we, through well, history. I think... Chip in if you want to, on my view of Britain being wicked, but... Yeah, well, I mean, not a, it's not just Britain is <laughs> wicked, um, yeah. but we have wicked institutions within Britain and yeah. wicked practices, and, yeah. and the City of London is a, a, a centre mm. of... Uh, wickedness throughout the world. Right? That's mm. another story we're going to another day. But they take, take one example is what I call the big mortgage fraud. Uh, it's a huge fraud. <laughs> and it can only operate... Everything on Bible study. Yeah, it so can only it. operate under a fiat system. But you can see, this is, yeah. it's very similar to what these people were doing. The mortgage fraud is you, you go along and you, 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 you want to buy a house and you say, I've got, let's keep it, oh, you know, when they were quite cheap, you say you've got £10,000 to put down and you want to borrow £90,000. So they say, very good, they take your 10,000. Somebody back there towards about, it's all numbers on a computer, produces 90,000 pounds that doesn't actually exist. It's got no asset base. And so, you know, and the, 90, 000, the whole lot is paid over to the person you're buying the house from. But you are going to pay back in blood, sweat and tears real money. Yeah. And it's based on nothing. It's a fraud. <laughs> and, and, but this is, it's a complete fraud. And, and this is, it's accumulation through wickedness and deceit, which is exactly what these people were doing here. There's no doubt there is, but for those who are smart, they, they can see, well, I, I get a house out of it, and I'm just giving the other yeah, side sure. of the story. And, sure. and, um, and, and I can spread the payments, okay, with, yeah. with usury, yeah, that's right. you know, but we're eyes wide open, that's over 30 years or 25 years, and it allows people exactly. to save. Exactly. Because I'm not a great saver, so it does, I think, well, yeah. at least it's... No, no, it suits I, I don't have a pension. It suits, it suits <laughs> us perfectly. Mm. But the point is, they're capitalising on what suits us, and there they get a, away with but it. There is deception because, and the whole credit crunch was, yeah. you know, no one knew that all this stuff was being bundled up into whatever the mortgage, mortgage securities were, yes. and 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 it was just, yeah, it was just inventing value. And the fiat system there. allows that. You see, where it's yeah. got no asset backing. Yeah. Of course, John Kennedy wanted to bring the asset backing back. Oh, and look what happened to him. He didn't mm. last long. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but, but the point is that we, um, that is, is, there's a similarity with mercantile yes, you know, cities. exactly so. That they, they can do this manipulation of the punter. Yeah. And they do, and, and the, the Lord through Nahum says just that of them later on, as we'll see as we yeah. get further yeah, into so, so, this. You know, just on an individual level, you know, the Lord can bless us with finances or power mm. to a degree. Mm. Uh, where lust comes in is where we try and get more than what the Lord's giving us. Yes. And that's what I think with the Assyrian Empire. It doesn't mean that if God gives the British or the Assyrians or whoever a degree of power over the nations, that in itself wasn't a sin. But there is this driving force that also comes from Satan because Satan has a plan to set up a one world empire. Mm from the Tower of Babel onwards. Mm. And, and what it is, is then that activates the lust in man, mm. um, or he finds that, and, and that goes beyond mm. what is right. And then that empire becomes oppressive, 
and, and it uses, you know, it's driven by lust. And that's what happened to the Assyrians. Mm. And um, there is an interesting yeah. prophecy. I, yeah, I was going to bring it in at some point. Yeah, yeah. In Zechariah chapter 1, yeah. and it talks about the... Diff the, the because the people the are complicit as well. They're sort of seduced into it, but they're willingly seduced into, into this yeah. greed and collective yes, greed willing, and lust. Willingly. That's so God right. brings the empires into judgment. Yeah. Because, not because they had some power, but, but it's their abuse of the power. Yeah. Yeah. See, we talk about people having free will, and we do have free will. We mm -hmm. have, but only God has, has absolute free will. Mm -hmm. So although we have free will, God will call us to account for how we've used that free will. Yes. So it's not like an absolute That's free right. will. Yeah. So he'll give empires power, but when they abuse that power, which they usually do, mm. he'll call them to account for that. Mm. But the fact that Britain still exists, even though we've lost the empire, mm. we've been judged somewhat perhaps yeah. because of that. But the fact that we still exist means we weren't as bad as Assyria, for example, yes. because Assyria was wiped yeah. off the map completely, yeah. as, as was Babylon, for instance. Mm. Mm. And, and that's, so God will, will be fair in his judgment of empires. Mm. But it's just interesting, this, yeah. um, in this context of Zechariah chapter 1, verse 18. He says, Then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were four horns. You know, horns is a symbol of these empires. Of authority. The four horns, actually, I think the first one was Assyria. Uh, okay, and, he, and I said to the angel, what are these? And he answered me, these are the horns that have scattered uh, Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. That fits. That okay, fits. and there were four horns, because yep. number one was Assyria. After Assyria was Babylon. Mm -hmm. um, after Babylon, it was Persia, but Persia does not count because they did not actually scatter Israel. Yeah. They actually, under Cyrus, yeah, restored right. them. Yes. But then after that was, of course, Greece and then Rome. Yeah. So there were four horns during the times of the Gentiles. Very good. Um, and, and then it says, then the Lord showed me four craftsmen, or horn cutters, I would prefer. Yeah. So this, these guys cut the horns down to size. Yeah. They, they, ex they execute judgment. And then it says, who, what are these coming to do? These are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one could lift up his head. But the craftsmen or the horn cutters are coming to terrify them, to cast out the horns of the nations that lifted up their horns against the land of Judah to scatter it. So some of these empires, you know, they oppressed God's people in particular. Uh, that brought judgment on them. And you can trace the fall and rise of empires often by how they treat yeah. Israel, actually. Yeah. And so I was going to say that, by the way, on yeah. Britain, because we were talking about how, how yeah, Britain right. fell. Britain certainly did a renege on the Balfour Declaration. It was yes. quite overt, um, yes. you know, willful, you know, uh, divide and rule and conniving by, by promising yeah. to both the Arabs and the yes. Jews, yes. and they found their comeuppance. But it was a complete breach, and even Churchill said, "There's the breach." You know, you've breached really? the yeah, you've breached the the undertakings. You know, in the Balfour Declaration, mm. and in one sense, we're still under that judgment. You know, it's still there, ingrained, yeah. woven into the Foreign yes. Office, um, a a what's the word, perfidy mm. towards Israel. Yes, mm. yes. and Very so. Yeah, so you just mentioned that and it triggered it in my yeah, mind. So, no. so the way they treat God's people. Yeah, look what happened to Spain after they... Yes. 
Yeah. Spanish, they persecuted the Jews. They did big time. That was the end of the Spanish did. Empire, In fact, really. the, you know, there's, I read a book, or I, I mean, it's, I, I gave it to Lance Lambert, never saw it again, but it was about Simon Wiesenthal, and the author um, described Simon Wiesenthal, um, uh, uh, his view that the um, Christopher Columbus was and many of those who founded America were actually Jews mm. who had falsely converted yeah. to Christianity oh, so they could get like on that boat yeah. to get out yeah. from the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah, same year, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The, and, um, yeah. <laughs> America was founded by Jews, yeah. or the, the New World, you know, the, the, yes. as it were. I mean, God, God judges Assyria for its general cruelty because all people are God's creation. So there's a jealousy, that we're talking about the jealousy as well, there's a jealousy over all the innocent nations that suffered wrongfully under this empire, but especially his, his own people. Mm. And because Assyria, like with Sennacherib, went way over the top, um, there's, there's judgment coming because of that. Mm. So the first horn was Assyria, and it got cut down by Babylon, mm. which was the destruction of Nineveh. Mm. Then Babylon, 70 years later, um, and it's interesting, let's just throw this yeah, in. Yeah. It's all interesting. Uh, Nineveh fell in 612. Mm. They, they, they retreated a bit to Haran, and they held out for three more years before the absolute end of the Assyrian Empire mm. in 609. That was, yeah. that's it. And in Jeremiah 25, I think it is, Jeremiah predicts that Babylon will have 70 years of dominance over the nations. Mm. That began in 609 BC. And exactly 70 years later is 539 BC, which is when Cyrus the Great of Persia, that was the Belshazzar event, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. That was the end of the Babylonian Empire. And he came in, if I'm right, through a, you know, a river, and yes, there's a did. parallel story yeah, they with diverted the river, oh, kind right. of. Not yeah, quite the not same, quite but, the same, but, but, but no, God no, no. used the river, as yeah, it were. Yeah. And, and so that's the second horn was cut down by Persia. And then, and then, so you've got this uh, Zechariah prophecy. It's very interesting. Really it predicts interesting. the four horns and the four horn cutters. Mm. Each empire eventually is cut down mm. um, because of you know God's righteous judgment on them. Mm. Yeah. It's it's cut down, but yet there's something, as it were, a shadow or an echo, as it were, carries on throughout the. Um, uh, especially with the, the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, there, there's this kind of, of sort of mm. connection yeah. in the Medo-Persians with Babylon, the Babylonians yes. and the Greeks you know, and the Romans. It's, mm. it's like it's, it's still part of the same sort of godless yes. endeavor yeah. entity until it's all completely crushed and all world empires are, yeah. as it were, exactly. the potentates of time. Okay. And God's jealousy, just one yeah. more thing. Yeah, please. God is also jealous over his name. Yes. Over his reputation. Mm. And so this is why jealousy is behind judgment too. Mm. Because you see, if God did not judge evil, mm. if he did not judge the wicked, we would, God's name would be, you know, um, we would see God as weak, uh, we would see God as unjust. And so part of the, the motivation for his judgment, he's jealous for his name. He has to be righteous. Mm. And that he has to judge because of his righteousness. Because if he didn't judge sin, mm. he, he would be unrighteous. His name would be mm. 
lost, as it were. So in his jealousy for his name even, he, he cannot clear the guilty. Yes, and there's also the jealousy of his attributes. Um, you know, he will not share his glory with anyone. So if you begin to infringe his, his, his holiness, as it were, by taking upon yourself, uh, a bit like Herod did, yeah. you know, mm. you take, and these kings were doing, taking upon yeah. themselves effective deity status um, in the way they treated the serfs and, and demanded of them, then you, you come under yeah. judgment, there's no doubt about it, because you're infringing God's holiness, mm. His, mm. his commands, which went right out at the beginning of Genesis onwards, so you're just in, mm. you, you won't get away with it. And they so call themselves the greats, yes. you know, and yes. you, as soon as you see that, you think, oh, well, that's there. And in, with Sennacherib in particular, but I think it was the attitude of all of the kings, mm. he, his messengers definitely said, don't, don't think you can believe in your God to protect you against us. Essentially, we're, we're stronger than your God. Mm -hmm. you know, they literally blasphemed God. Yes. And so God is jealous for his name. He's not going to yeah. you know, yeah. put up with that. Mm -hmm. So there is a jealousy. Um, so it's this good to have the correction, by the way, because when, um, you know, when I was chatting with my kids when they were younger, you know, explaining the Middle East and things like that, so I, I used to say, Remember this, jealousy leads to hatred, hatred <laughs> leads to killing. Yeah. But it's actually envy, envy. leads to his hatred. So if you allow envy, yes. I mean, look at Satan himself, the envy yeah, towards exactly. God on his throne. He wants what God has, yeah. you see. Yeah. I will be like the Most High. Envy, so just a correction to my kids, you know, 20 years later, that envy leads to hatred, hatred mm. leads to killing. And that... That is sadly, or to bloodshed, that is sadly the story of the Middle East. It's just filled with envy mm. um, uh, uh, mm. towards Israel yeah. and to the state they, status they have before God. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Read. Well, well, well. So, God, um, I, so, I dare, mm. dare not say which verse we're in. But I, I, well, I feel verse we, two. It, it's we're in verse two because it is a key verse, really. It is. God, because out of his jealousy now, he will mm. fight for his people. Mm. He'll fight for the innocent people that have been mm. under this empire, and and he will start av avenging. And now, that's, that's the, the summary of word. the whole book. Uh, so yes, yeah, so the next word is vengeance because that can be misunderstood. Vengeance. It sounds it's something not petty, that is not very nice. It's not petty vengeance, uh, no. revenge. It's it's justice. That's it, right. It's the yeah. the uh, retributive justice. Yeah. He, out of his righteousness, he must punish evil. Yeah. And uh, we would think God was a was um, a weak God and even an evil God if he did not judge evil. Mm. Because what judge? Right. If a judge turned a you know, people blame God for doing stuff, yeah. you know, for judging in the Old Testament. But, you know, what would you think of a judge if, you, if there was a murderer or Blind somebody eye. who's done terrible things? And he says, oh, God, you can go home. I can't be bothered. Yeah. Um, that is not a nice judge. That is an evil judge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. Very, very good. Yeah. And as it says elsewhere, you know, vengeance belongs to the Lord. That's right. and, and so that, that's, here we see his vengeance in action, but it's his privilege to do it, it's not ours. Mm. We don't, it, it, as we begin to understand, you know, who we are in Christ, it, it's huge, you mm. know, and, and 
and then the, the Lord will watch over us. We do not have to fight his battles for him. Mm. We have to stand, mm. and to stand on the truth. We have to stand and stand and stand and stand on the truth. We have to proclaim what he said, that you know, we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's the, that's the strongest weapon in our armory. You know, when we put on the armor of God, we hold up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. The primary weapon is still the blood of Christ. Mm. And, and the, the Lord will do the rest. It, it, you know, that we'll, we'll jump well, forward to it in a minute. The wrath of God was satisfied yes. on, mm. on the Lord. Well, the wrath of God was satisfied, but he says in verse 7, mm. we'll come to it in more yeah. detail, because in the midst of all this, you have mm. this little aside, this little word of comfort. The Lord is, is, is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Mm. Mm. Here we were talking about it earlier. Here's a little key that in amongst this lot was a yeah. small group of believers. Yeah. And the Lord says, I know you. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You'll be all right. I know those amongst Rem- you who, who still trust in me. Those who and and possibly his. Nahum was their pastor, was their rabbi, you know. Possibly mm-hmm. he was there yeah. feeding this little flock. That's the wonderful thing about the scriptures is there's, there's a remnant, there is yes. the way of salvation. It's not a ton of bricks on all of you, no. as it were. This there, is the, there is the, the remnant ark, from Jonah's day. You know, there's lots and his mm. family, you know, taken out. Yes. There is this mm. um, a route out. Um, yeah. Ven- vengeance it's very is an important thing. Just picking up mm. on vengeance again. Yeah. Um, he, if the Lord... As you said, it wasn't a God of vengeance and judgments. There would be no Godhead. I mean, Satan would have been tolerated in the presence of God. There would be nothing. There'd be no scriptures, no eternity. The whole thing would have imploded. Mm. It would. Like like a a sort of dark hole. The whole thing would have just collapsed because if God cannot maintain his holiness, righteousness, judgments... Mm. There's no distinction between good no. and evil. No. There's no. Satan, it rules. Yes. It's quite critical at that point in Isaiah 14 that Satan was thrown down yes. when he said, I will, the five, uh, you know. Yeah. He fell like lightning. Yeah. He yeah. fell like lightning. Not, not a slow exit. Yeah, absolutely out no and, uh, uh, for, all, uh, for all eternity. Mm. If God can tolerate... It says he can't look on sin. If God could just accommodate it, mm. God is not God. That no. is no. game over. Absolutely. And those, those that say, and there are some that say that Satan will be saved. We'll see Satan. No. There's, there's all sorts totally, of things just like a, that. In which case, God's vengeance is capricious. Yeah. There's no point to it. Yeah. yeah exactly. All that's happened is, yes. is completely yes. um, outrageous. Outrageous, yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But you see his mercy here, yeah. and, and this is an interesting thing, because he, he says that he reserves wrath for his enemies. Note that word, reserves. Mm. And then he says, the Lord is slow to anger. Mm. So his mercy is that, you know, he, is, he delays his judgment mm. to mm. give people a chance to repent. Mm. He doesn't want to judge them. He will judge them. He doesn't want to. So he is slow to anger. And it's interesting, he says, it reserves wrath. So people think because God isn't judging, he's okay with, with what yeah. I'm doing. Oh, I can get away with it. But actually, what's actually happening, he's storing up mm. that wrath. Mm. And the longer they disregard God, 
the more wrath is being built up. They don't see it yet, yeah. and it's like it's being held behind the dam. And this is actually pictured in what happened to Nineveh. Mm. This, 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 this divine judgment mm. is, is there. That wrath is there, but it, it's held back. Mm. It's not released, mm. but it's building up behind this dam. Mm. But the tie is coming mm. when God opens the gates yeah. and that, that water, or that, that judgment's going to flow forth. So you've, you know, I can't, can't help to you know, have a flash, I was going to say flashback, flash forward to Romans where it's, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. Exactly. When his righteous judgments will be revealed. God will exactly. give to every person according to what he's done. So those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honour and immortality, there will be eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth, there will be mm wrath and anger yeah it's exactly what you're saying and, and this actually bring a bit of new testament yeah, in John. yeah. <laughs> this actually happened physically yeah. for Nineveh because Sennacherib I think it was because there was always a danger of the Tigris overflowing its banks and the river Corsa which was a tributary off the Tigris actually ran through the middle of Nineveh mm. so they ma they needed to manage the water system of the city and they actually created uh, you know different reservoirs and they had a dam yeah. for instance where they could put like the spare water yeah. and they had a reservoir yeah. and uh, what actually happened was when the the a combination of things there were very heavy rains and storm we'll talk about it later but basically this well, reservoir bring John in as well because he's he, he's were you with the royal engineers I was so that's, this is the kind of thing you would know about, how to take a city. But it was sort of God's plan of taking yeah. them down, wasn't and, it? And there were very heavy, the historians say there were very heavy rains. Mm. And now the enemy surrounding the city, they controlled now the, the waters. And I think from what the historians say is the combination of the heavy rains and then they opened the, the, the sluice gates mm. and this huge amount of water was suddenly released in one go. Mm. And that, that flash flood Broke made through. the break in the walls because mm. they thought their walls were impenetrable. Yeah. But it, it's almost like God's anger stored up yes. like a reservoir. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And it just came to me as we yeah. were talking. Yeah, exactly. uh, and then God at some moment says, okay, I'm going to open the gates. Mm. And, the, and, and it goes forward like a flood and breaks through the walls. And in verse eight it says, but with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place. Mm -hmm. So God says that's how Nineveh will be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Because once the walls were breached, mm -hmm. it was essentially over, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, um, that was the key to the, the, to the whole amazing? judgment. Isn't it amazing how, how scripture sort of builds on scripture? Because yes. of your stubbornness and your unrepentant hearts, you are storing up wrath yes. against yourselves. In our, in our own time, yes. you know, we've seen the Berlin Wall, for example, come down yes. overnight virtually. Yeah. Yes. Extraordinary. Yeah, when empires fall, yes. the, the Soviet Union collapsed like that. Just, yeah, it did. Uh, un, unpredicted. You know, we, with all of these very clever journalists you know, and analysts, mm -hmm. no one foresaw no. Yeah. the fall of, of the Soviet empire. Yeah. That's in our time Yes, yeah. that's happened. I'd like to believe, uh, really, and pray for the same to happen with the Chinese Empire. Because mm. it's another wicked. Yeah. But of course, the Lord has his own <laughs> plans to fulfill. Yeah. So, I, you know, I can hope for something, but it may be the Lord will. Just imagine a prophet saying, because China is looking very strong at the moment. Yes. The, a prophet coming along and saying, you know, in a few years, China will be totally yeah. 
you won't even hear about them again. Can you imagine that? And that's, that's what that's Nahum it. did. That's him. And he, was, he pr was proved right. Except that there are prophecies about the armies from the east. You know, no, I'm not saying that no, will happen. No, I know, I know, I know. You know, but th that's how impressive exactly, Nahum's exactly, prophecy that's was. That's you know. how to view it. Yeah. Really, they, they're not quite, I, I think they may not be quite at the height of their power. I know. Mm. But they still seem to be on the, on the march. Uh, yeah, so, so verse 3 is, again, what we've been saying. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And, and it's here, he's, you know, now we see the divine warrior. Mm. This is now God is going to war now. Mm. Uh, Nahum, this is what Nahum sees in his vision, that God now is moving into action. Yeah. And he describes him as the, he's in the whirlwind and the storm. Mm. God's in control of the, the elements of nature. And, and the storm and heavy rains were, yeah. were instrumental yeah. in, in the fall of, um, so it's God controlling the elements which is what this... It's very vivid. This is, this is the part that, was, that you yes. said was in the Dead Sea Scrolls, isn't it? That, yes. Uh, no, it's first five uh, and oh, well, six. Five. Five and yeah. Well, anyway, it's this poem that starts in verse three. But it's very vivid, isn't three. it? I yes. mean, there, there's a real power in the language, isn't mm. yes. there? Where he switches in the middle of verse three. Yes. And then just, it's a very graphic bit of... Yeah, he's kind of saying, you think you're strong and invincible, Assyria, but I, I'm the god of the universe and I yeah. control... Yeah. All the elements of nature, and uh, yeah. and he refers to two historical examples. You know, mm. he he rebukes the sea and makes it dry yeah. with the Red mm. Sea, and dries up all the rivers. And you're thinking about mm. the Jordan mm. and crossing the Jordan, and you you begin. I think he's re referring to something that he's done and that yeah. is in the history books, as it were. Pharaoh, of course. The Pharaoh, yes, the Red, the, sea, the Red sea, sea, the Pharaoh, yeah. So it's there. He's done it. So if you don't believe me, go check the yeah. history books. Yeah. I've done this. And we were talking earlier, John, about the, the poetry here. I mean, I love poetry. Yes. I don't mind because I, I, there's I, something powerful about encapsulating uh, uh, pictures, uh, illustrations, and uh, allergies, um, allegories in, in a few words. Absolutely. I, I wish I could read the Hebrew. Read the original, I, I, exactly. I understand that the, the Hebrew is magnificent yeah, in the yeah. book of, of yes. Nahum. You know, it's absolutely yeah. magnificent. Yeah. You might call it high Hebrew, you know. Mm, yeah. It is superb. Mm. But I would yes, they say it compares only it. to Isaiah. Yeah. That's it's amazing. Poetic yes. That's yeah. language. That's amazing. Because yeah. I, I only know the English poets, but um, yes. you know, that's the same Macaulay, uh, uh, you know, uh, on the low hills to westward, the consul fixed his eye and saw the swarthy storm of dust rise faster <laughs> across the sky, and nearer, faster, nearer, doth the red whirlwind come, and louder still, and still more loud, from underneath that rolling cloud is heard the trumpet's war note proud. I mean, <laughs> as you say, if you, if you were reading this yeah, in the same, original Hebrew, you yeah. were being it really the sort of meter to it, with and a you, you would, yes, you would. Of God. Without a with shadow power. of doubt. Yeah. Without yeah. a shadow of doubt. Yeah. And he thought, like Carmel, Bashan, Lebanon, these are the most fertile areas. Yes, yes. He's saying, yet he can make the most yes. fertile as, as a wilderness. So yes. the mountains are the strongest thing in nature. Yes. And yet they, they quake before him. Yes. You know, it's all great. And they then do, the but there's, there's more to it than that. I mean, the, the, the literal meaning, we take off the page, yeah. the mountains mm. quake, as Dr. Yeah. said. Yeah. In biblical language, mountains also speak of kingdoms yes. and thrones. Mm, that's yeah. right. So you, uh, when you feed this back in here, yeah. and he's going to make them all quake, no kingdom, yeah. no throne yeah. Yeah. Is, is out of his reach. The nations are as a drop in the buckets. Yes. Yes. He brings the yes. rulers to naught. Yes. You, know, the, you know, rulers, the most powerful sort of potentate, brought yeah. to nothing. Yeah. 
and the hills melt. Well, that's just, just like he the dust. Hebrew, Hebrew dualism, isn't it? So yeah. he's saying that these things yes. will come to nothing mm. for me. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. It does make you think. I, I, when I think of melting as well, I, I think of just everything, all of the structures just meld, as it were. They, they just become amorphous. They completely lose their meaning. Yes. It's just complete yes. confusion and chaos. Cohesiveness just goes. It just goes. And we see that later on in, the, in, in this book as the prophet. The earth heaves at its presence. I mean, we do a pretty good job with our New King mm. James Version. You just yeah. imagine the lurching yes. of, the, of the earth. It's, it's sort of, it's like the Lord saying there'll be earthquakes in diverse places. Yes. You know, the tectonic plates just yeah. heave. And, and God, as it were, is sovereign over, over this. Exactly. And the earthquake activity is increasing all the time. I mean, yeah, if I you know. go and look at the, what is it, the organization states, I forget which it is, you go onto their website and see the frequency of these things, they, it is increasing constantly. Yeah. Over time, it's more and more and more. <sighs> the melting makes me think of volcanoes as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Volcanic, volcanic yeah, activity the, too. The heat of his wrath. It's way, and men's hearts will grow <coughs> faint with fear. That, that it doesn't matter how powerful all the world powers are in the United Nations. When an earthquake happens, they're powerless. Yes. You know, they're scraping with literally on your hands and knees to try and rescue people. You're, it's beyond all the power of man when the elements start shaking. Yeah. The fear of what's coming on, on the earth. You know, if... Well, uh, uh, the strange thing is that people can still be arrogant. That, that's the mystery, isn't it? How man can still be arrogant mm. towards God when you consider God's power. Well, because he hates him so much, as Scripture says, you mm. know, we hate God. Mm. And, and mm. that hatred drives you to, even in the face of <laughs> incontrovertible evidence, to, de to deny God. Yeah. And unless he steps in and does something to your heart, that's the way it goes. His fury poured out like fire, verse 6, rocks thrown down by him. We've got about 10 minutes left. Are we going to get through chapter 1? Probably not. Probably <laughs> not. I know. It's, it's just how it is. It's just how uh, it is. An earthquake also reminds you of that which you think you can trust in. Yeah. The natural yeah. foundation of your life yeah. is not secure and mm. is not stable. Mm. But therefore, you can only trust in the rock who is yeah. God himself, Christ himself. And so these judgments are also merciful. They're, they're reminders to mankind that mm, yeah. you're not to put your trust in mm. the str even the strongest things in the natural. Yeah. Yeah. They are subject to change. Yeah. For me, you know, in the modern world, it should all of the things that are happening should cause us to marvel all the more yes. at God's creation. And let's say, you know, the, the vaccines that they're developing, you know, that. You, they're discovering, they're not inventing anything, they're just discovering the double helix, yes. you know, the detail of the DNA, mm -hmm. you know, we're woven together in our mother's womb, um, <coughs> we, we, we're knitted together, that, that is like an illustration of God's handiwork, yes. um, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and yet, looking at the other end of the, somehow, the other end of the microscope, you know, man doesn't see God. No. Mm. It's, a, it's one of the tragedies, I think, of our, our, our... There's a scripture in Jeremiah that talks about how when the good is staring you in the face, you don't see it. Mm. And it's, it's God's goodness is staring mankind in the face. Mm. And because of the arrogance of the heart, they don't see it. Yeah. That's, for me, a mystery. Yeah. In the midst of judgment, God is yeah. reaching... I mean, there's the gospel is in verse 7. Yes. Yes. You know, God is... Re he's saying, look... 
though everything is shaking around you, there is hope for you. There is something mm. solid that you can hold mm. on to. You know, the Lord is good. He's the stronghold mm. in the day of trouble. Mm. When everything's falling around, falling yeah. apart, he, and there's the gospel, you see, he knows those who trust in him. Yes. He says, that's salvation by faith. Yes. You've just got to, if you trust in him, you come into a personal relationship with him and you're safe in his stronghold. I mean, he, God is reaching out with the gospel saying, yeah, you, you can be saved. Mm. Just put your trust in me. That's right. Jeremiah 17, just as Mm. my brain catches up. Verse, Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see good when it Mm. comes. That's, I mean, the goodness of God is all around us. You know, they... They, you know, there's no excuse. His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, yet they don't see it. That's Mm. right. Mm. They don't see it. It's a tragedy. They'll not see good. And then shall inhabit the parched. The scripture, there's layers and layers and layers and layers of God revealing himself, revealing his goodness and revealing his judgments. And we're just in one layer here in (laughs) Nahum. Verse 6 starts with, who can stand before his indignation? Mm. And of course, that's not just calling, talking about Syria, it's talking about the New World Order, it's talking about the World Economic Forum, all these things that are rising up and declaring mm. what's going to happen in the future as if they're God. Mm. And the Lord says, no, mm. no. Who can stand before his indignation? Yeah. You are behaving like a God. It's While we're on the shaking, should... we have to take that scripture in Hebrews, do we not? which I probably won't be able to find now because I'm in the wrong Bible, but Mm -hmm. where it says, once more I will shake the heavens so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Oh, yes. Um, And uh, someone's going to find that for me. (laughs) um, And that, even our faith, you know, so, so you know, everything else can melt and disintegrate and be disorientated, but actually those whose trust is in the Lord, they will stand. They will. They will. That, that's, uh, that is the promise. And, and that's why it's a question, who can stand before his indignation? Yes. It's the end of Hebrews 12. That's it. If you want to just read it, and then we'll put it up on the screen. Um, I guess it's from verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Mm. That's the verses we've just been yeah. reading. Isn't that yes. amazing? And all this is temporal. Yeah, yeah. Our God is a consuming fire, and fire melts. Yes. And it mentions fire here. His fury is poured forth like fire. Yes. In verse 6. And the rocks. So this is again is the like a, a volcano. Mm. Again, the wrath of God has been building up like like in a volcano. Mm. But there comes this moment when suddenly mm. it erupts. It mm. boils over, as it were. And that's how it how it is. And once that fire is released, there there is no escape from it. Yeah. Um, 
and, and then it's, that's it. And, and John, you mentioned last week about the, the Dead Sea Scroll parchments yes. that have this verse in them yes. that is warning of the shaking. Yes. I don't think... Uh, so we can quite clearly say to today's generation that there's a yes. great shaking. Yes. So that what cannot be shaken may remain. That's right. I don't believe it's coincidence that that was found this year yeah. and not some other time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we've, but we've all jumped to uh, verse 7 a few times already, but it, it, but it is um, special. Mm. Yes. It's very special that, that within judgment there's mercy. That's, God's re that's what he really wants, is people to turn to him. Mm. Yeah. He, he has to judge and he will judge, but he would much rather, judgment is his strange work, as it were, he would much rather show mercy. So he's reaching out in the midst of judgment, he's reaching out to the people there and say, look, it's not too late for you, you can. Let me read it again, verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Mm. The Lord knows those who are his. He sees your heart. Yeah. If your heart's turning to God, he's, he sees your heart. Yeah, yeah. And that's all, really. But, and then it goes back to, yes. but with an overflowing flood, you know, it's just that little breath, that punctuation mark. Yes. And so that, you know, you're not going to be consumed if you trust in him. Mm. No. I was reading recently a book by a Christian surgeon, a cardiologist, and he was saying he's seen death many times in hospitals, um, both of believers and people one would consider to be unbelievers. He said, you will be amazed, not, not all, but mm. how many people towards the end of their lives mm. physically cry out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mm. Isn't that extraordinary? Mm. I mean, most of us don't have that sort of life. We're not aware. But he said, it's something in man mm. that when he finds himself in that position, he cries out to the Lord, and he may never have cried out to him in the rest of his and life. And God is merciful. Yes. Even at he the end. He knows who are his. Yeah. Even at he's, the end. He's foreordained. He knows yeah. who are his, according yeah. to Ephesians. So even though they haven't walked with him on their deathbeds, they cry out mm. to him. And God so knows. God, God knows, knows the heart, whether they are cursing him on their deathbed, yes. which is also the that case. That happens too. Um, apparently, so, when they listen to the the flight recorders of planes that have gone down. Yes. Mm. A lot of using the Lord's name in vain. Yes. As you say, there are others. Yeah. You know, right at the end, you know, the thief on the cross. Mm. Yes. The Lord will forgive. Yes. Look, come to him. I love that word trust. Yes. You know, it's not just, well, I believe that there's a God. Yeah. No. Like I'm trusting in this chair to hold me up. You have to trust your soul to God. You have to trust in him 100 mm. percent, not mm. in yourself. But if you trust in him as your salvation, as your stronghold, mm. your protection from judgment mm. and your eternal life. Mm. But I love that word trust. That, that really summarizes it. It is. And while it? the walls are crumbling and one <coughs> thinks immediately of Rahab and her family, you know, while the, all the walls were crumbling, those that trusted in him mm. were safe. And it's That's this, amazing, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it's the same here. You know, the walls come down, the, 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 mm. the, the Medes or the Chaldeans, whoever, come in and wreak mm. havoc. Mm. God, he says, that little group of you is trusting me. Yeah. You'll be safe. Yeah, yeah absolutely. God. Yeah, so we're just on the last few minutes. I, I think we should talk a little more of, of, about the gospel and, and put, putting your trust in the Lord mm. Jesus. Yes. Um, that's, that's something that just needs unpacking. For people who don't know what the heck we're talking about, as it were, what does it, what does it mean to put your trust mm. in the Lord Jesus? 
for your life, mm. for your, you know, preservation, well, it, it, for your it, salvation. It, it requires a revelation from God in, individually to start with. But let's, uh, it, the, the very fact that he paid a, a huge penalty, he took the sin of each of us upon himself, past, present, future sin, he took upon mm. himself, I mean, that burden of the sin of the world throughout, it, throughout time. You, we can't imagine what that was. <clears throat> but he was prepared to do that for us. And therefore, if, if we can't trust somebody that's prepared to do that for us in every situation in life, then we, we're just missing the fullness of what he's done. And, and it's illustrated so clearly here. You know, in amongst all that's going to happen, the melting hills, the melting, the kingdoms being brought low, the, the, the slaughter of, of, of those that are ruled over you, so they're before you, there'll be nothing. A bit like um, in Isaiah, is, is it Isaiah where it talks about them looking at Satan and saying, is this, is this what we were frightened of? So, you know, they're going to look and see this and they're going to put their trust in the Lord and they're going to know it's the Lord that's doing this. So in the midst of all this, they can still praise him and thank him. Yeah. And he'll yes. carry them through. Wonderful. And, and then in, verse, in, in John 1, Derek, just in the last minute or so, it says, as many as received him, mm. um, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to mm. those who believe in his name. Mm. I mean, it's, it's like... And it's like that, you receive him as Lord and Saviour. Mm. And because he talks about this stronghold, it's like putting yourself under his protection. Mm. So under his covering. Mm. You have to submit to him as your Lord and trust him to save you. Mm. And, and then he does. He makes you his children. Mm. But you believe in his name, you trust that he is good, and you put yourself under his covering, mm. under his authority as Lord, but also you're trusting him to save you. So you receive him as Lord and Savior, I think is the nice summary of mm, yeah. what, it, what it means. That's right. Yeah, so, so all we're seeking to do on Bible studies, and I think on Revelation TV, in all of the programs, is to reveal who God is, yeah. to reveal who we are before mm. him. And we, we, this is why we spend a lot of time saying, oh, what are the attributes of God? Mm. Why is it important that he's holy and you know, righteous? Um, then, then you know that, it's, that there's something real and tangible and true to put your trust mm. in. We're not just, it's not some sort of vain mm. hope. We're actually putting our trust in the Lord. And as per usual, I, I mistimed the end of the program. So we've got a little bit more. Just, <laughs> you know, it, it, oh, we haven't. No, it's about 20 seconds left. <laughs> I was waiting for the music, and, you know, to bail me out. So um, that's wonderful. We you know, have all our plans for how many weeks it's going to take to go through <laughs> Nahum. Uh, we're, we're now through to verse 7 of Nahum 1, and we'll see you next week.